0: You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we feature what is new and innovative in education. I'm your host, Jessica Slesser, and today we're talking about adult education. Tom, you recently spoke at the Arizona Department of Education's Adult Education Institute, where you got to catch up with Tom Arnett.
1: Tom is a senior research fellow at the Christensen Institute, the disruptive innovation folks that helped popularize blended learning. Tom and I spoke in between sessions at the adult ed conference in Phoenix a few weeks ago. It's a really interesting meeting that um, represents the breadth of adult ed in America. It includes uh, folks working on high school completion and career training. The instructors come from school districts, community colleges, from juvenile justice. They work for counties and jails, Uh, just a, a great group of folks committed to Uh, education success for folks that haven't had much education success. In this conversation, Tom Arnett talks about making blended learning work for teachers. I talked about trends in adult ed, and Tom and I compared notes.
0: Thanks, Tom. I can only imagine the sorts of rich and diverse conversations that happen there. Let's listen in.
1: Tom, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. Hey, thank you, Tom. Good to we're, be here. Uh, we're in Phoenix at the uh, at the Arizona Department of Education's Adult Education Conference, and uh, we're both doing a session today. You talked this morning about blended learning, but with an interesting twist on, we, we often think about the learner experience, but you talked about the teacher experience in blended learning. Give us an overview of that session. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so I think a lot of a lot of the conversation does re- revolve around the learner, about how do you personalize learning for the learner. Um, but as we look at blended learning and, and what it takes to really get it to take off and get it adopted, the teachers play a critical role. So the session this morning was really looking at blended learning from the teacher angle, from trying to see how can blended learning help teachers get done the things they're trying to do. Um, recognizing that, you know, in the past – Our education model has just kind of expected teachers to pick up the slack, and we just keep adding more and more things onto their plate. And so teachers are trying to differentiate. They're trying to reach all of their students. They're trying to improve their pedagogical methods. But there's only so much that they can do within a traditional model. Uh, So this morning we talked about how do you you help teachers uh, use blended learning to reallocate their time so they can really focus on the activities that have the greatest impact for their students.
1: So what's on the short list? What are the the three or four key ways that blended learning can improve a teacher's experience in the classroom?
2: So one of them is just using the online learning to offload some of the instruction, helping the teacher realize they don't have to keep reproducing the same lessons, same live lessons over and over again every year. They can actually shift a lot of that to the online platform And then use their time to really focus on the things that make the biggest difference for their students, like giving high-quality feedback on essays or projects, um, mentorship, helping students to take more ownership of their learning, um, and really also targeting where students' particular needs or particular struggles that aren't getting met online and and focusing on those areas. So offloading uh,
1: to a platform, that might look like a flip classroom?
2: Yeah, a flip classroom or a flex classroom. Um, any any model where the online learning becomes really the backbone or the starting right. place for learning.
1: And that could include teacher-developed content or open content or proprietary content, maybe a mixture of all of those?
2: Yeah, it could be any of those. Um, I think the trade-off we talked about, though, that in the session this morning as it relates to teachers is um, teachers teacher-developed content puts an extra burden on the teacher to get it together and to, to, to develop it. So. Um, trying to make sure we weigh the trade-offs of using external content versus using content made by the teacher.
1: So we're, we're at an adult learning conference. Was there anything unusual or specific to the topic of teaching adults, and particularly adults that that may not have been successful in a in a prior setting?
2: Yeah, one thing in in particular that one of the people in the session raised was. Um, noting that a lot of the adult learners that this particular teacher works with um, are developing English literacy and may not have a lot of familiarity with computers. And so her question was, how do, you, how do you run a blended learning model where you've got new students coming in every day and you can't necessarily get them up to speed quickly online because first you've got to train them on how to use the device and how to even understand the menus on the device that are in English?
1: Yeah, interesting challenge, right? Yeah. But uh, but certainly doable, right? Yeah, we, But but it it is um, it in some respects added benefit uh, that the learner would would get familiarity with the recent technology, but a, a a new challenge if you're learning computers, the language, and a content area all simultaneously.
2: Yeah, you know the thing that we kind of settled on it when that question came up was that some blended learning models work better for that challenge than others. Okay. So. Like a, uh, if the teacher is trying to manage a small group lesson and oversee online learning in the same room at the same time, it's really hard if you've got some students online that just aren't, aren't that need extra support, that aren't ready to just take the online piece independently. But we mentioned that, you know, in a lab rotation or in a, in a flex model where the teacher isn't trying to manage a lesson while supervising online learning, the, those types of settings can make it more doable.
1: Uh, the other topic that you're talking about at this uh, Phoenix conference is on helping organizations adopt blended learning. So we have lots of really interesting organizations represented here, um, high schools, uh, colleges, um, community colleges, some NGOs that are in the adult ed space. So as um, in, in that session, what um, what kind of conversations do we have about deploying blended learning?
2: Well, you know, the people that showed up at that session that I was leading, I think, by and large, seemed like your early adopters. They're the people that are enthusiastic about blended learning and want to run with it and take it to new heights and are here to learn more about how to do that. But those same people noted, how do I get the other people in my building on board? The people who've got habits and ways of teaching that, that have worked for them in the past and aren't super eager to try and do something totally different. And so what we talked about in that session was looking at individuals' motivation and realizing that people are most likely to buy on to a change when they can see how it's going to work for them and when they can see the value that it offers to them. And so rather than trying to force people into blended learning because that's the new initiative, or rather than um, trying to sell people on blended learning as just a theoretical idea, as a concept, that really the best way to persuade those people and bring them along is to, to prove it to them to develop, you know, among the innovators and the early adopters, help them develop proof points where they can go to their colleagues and say, look, you should try this, not just because someone said it's a good idea, but because I can show you, here's how it helped me be a better teacher. Here's how it helped me reach my students. Here's how it helped me save time. And I can show you how to do it. So it's not going to be as hard for you to adopt.
1: Uh, So I'm, um, I'm talking about trends in adult ed here. And it's interesting that many of the topics that I'm, Talking about are things that uh, that you've addressed in your session. So my number one trend is um, online, mobile, and blended are kind of a foregone conclusion. That that was a quote from the NMC Horizon report that came out last month. Um, but it, it seems like all of these adult ed programs are need to or um, are quickly adopting online blended and, and particularly mobile. Does that sound right?
2: Yeah. And I think it's almost a sweet spot for adult ed because yeah. in adult ed, you often, the adults coming into those programs are constrained. They can't show up to school, to a right. classroom every day on set hours. And so online is really in a lot of ways serving their non-consumption.
1: And, and, uh, did you get the sense much more mobile focused than, uh, might, might be in a, in a, group of primary educators
2: yeah and I think a lot of that seems to be because most people have a smartphone someone who right. may not have a computer or a laptop at least has a this yeah
1: so a bit more bite-sized learning a little more anywhere anytime mm-hmm. learning uh, really trying to support the needs of working adults working around a busy schedule mm-hmm. um, in k-12 lots of conversations about broader aims about social-emotional learning about mindsets um, I think we're beginning to see that in, in adult ed. Uh, did you talk about that today?
2: Um, a little bit. We touched on it a little bit about, um, you know, it came up that in a lot of ways, adult ed is easier than K-12 because adults who come to adult ed are already motivated and they, you know, they, they have a lot of the mindsets that you need to succeed in that setting. But we also talked about, you know, where traditional schooling so often expects the learner to just passively sit and follow instructions. Um, how, do you, how do you help both teachers and students shift their mindset towards yeah. um, taking more ownership and, and thinking of education more broadly in those terms?
1: I, I do think um, this topic of broader aims and social-emotional learning, there's an interesting tie back to the two sessions that you did, because if we add this as a set of new outcomes in addition to reading, writing, and math, and also self-management, social awareness, uh, growth mindset and we're adding technology and new teaching practices and we're going through organizational change, uh, that's a lot to ask of teachers, yeah. right? Yep. Uh, so we it's a time to be super thoughtful about what our priorities are and how we're supporting teachers in this effort, right?
2: Yeah, I think that is part of what makes the change management process so hard is because there's so many things for them to do all at once. And so a big challenge for I think for us and for anyone who's trying to lead this effort is how do you, how do you break it down? How do you um, go from broad goals to clear concrete steps for people that they can incorporate into their busy work schedules?
0: If you're enjoying this episode, we suggest checking out season one, episode 40, our podcast with Mark Milleron, co-founder of Civitas Learning on the importance of data in providing strong support services to post-secondary students. Now let's get back to the podcast.
1: There's some interesting new technology coming into adult ed. We're seeing more and more corporations take advantage of uh, virtual reality and and, uh, some early augmented reality. Are are you excited about those categories?
2: Super excited. In fact, there was a lot of enthusiasm in my session around those technologies, not because I'd brought them up, but because people in the room could see where they were headed they could see the value of an immersive learning experience where you're not just asking someone to sit in a room and listen or read a book, but you're able to help them almost experience something that otherwise they couldn't experience and learn, I think really in the way our brains were wired to learn.
1: You know, it's interesting. My, uh, my son-in-law is a pilot and, um, he goes through really intensive simulation training uh, about once a quarter, uh-huh. and it's really high-stakes testing, but of the best sort, right? It is, uh, th- they put him through um, highly improbable, um, terrible scenarios uh, to help him think um, critically and sometimes creatively about uh, problem solving, and boy, I'd much rather have him do that in a simulator than, <laughs> than trying to figure it out in real time. Yeah. and. The potential to use this in a manufacturing setting the potential for vr in uh customer service but to, to simulate uh tough situations to simulate uh new technologies and let people make mistakes in a safe environment seems like it has really tremendous potential yeah R- related to that it's just much better feedback right we're seeing Many more people adopt um, adaptive learning systems, sometimes game-based learning systems, but um, often an order of magnitude more feedback than uh, had been the case even a few years ago, right? And that would be the case in all the adult learning programs that you talked about. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, we talked about, that's one of the huge benefits is that often teachers become the bottleneck for feedback um, because despite how hard they work... um, You know, feedback takes time. And so often students are waiting for teachers to be able to give them their feedback. And that seems to be one of the real promises of um, a lot of these new technologies is letting students get the feedback in real time and really build their foundation. Um, So then the teacher can focus on giving the feedback that the AI can't yet offer and just on that feedback.
1: Let's talk about learner supports. Um, what? T- tell me about your conversations uh, supporting adult learners in a in a blended setting. Is that important? What What does it look like? How is it different than it used to be?
2: Mm-hmm. Um. Now, when you say learner supports, you mean the the things that help the
1: in class support and and out of class support. Uh, and and I guess uh, when we think about learner supports, both. Academic and, and sometimes connection to, um, to family services, but it's uh, right. It's all those things that help um, struggling learners be successful. Mm-hmm. Seems like blended learning can help by, as you said, making more time for teachers to work with the, the learners that may need more help. Mm-hmm. So that would be real time in class, sort of dynamic support that is probably better than the pre blended days.
2: Yeah. Well, I think of learner support being valuable on two really interesting fronts for adult learners. One is the front of helping the adult learner um, have supports that work with their lives, work with their work schedules, work with their family schedules. Um, And I think blended learning creates a lot of the flexibility they need for the support to work for them and not for them to have to conform to the requirements of the support. Um, But I think the other interesting thing along the lines of support is how um, adult learners really have uh, new opportunities to not just get academic support, but to build relationships with their teachers and um, have conversations about other things non-academically related um, because the time isn't so focused just on, in, on yeah. teacher and student instruction. But
1: let's drill down on that. Um, if blended learning doesn't improve relationships, then we're doing something wrong.
2: Yeah. Right. I totally with, agree with that.
1: With these adult learners who have probably not experienced much success in prior settings, it's it's often much more who we are as educators than what we do. You know, making sure that people know we care, that we've got the time to build and sustain relationships. Uh, that's that's often really key to success.
2: Yeah, and I think also having having the ability not only to um, give students instructional support, but also having the time to have the conversations about how can we connect you with opportunities and resources that may be outside of your circle of, of influence or um, circle of connections.
1: It helps uh, when employers are supportive of, of adult learning, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. And that was another se- a topic or a theme that came up in, in the session that I was leading this morning was people in the session noting that they really see the future of adult learning being connecting students with employers and giving them the skills that they need to be ready for working with those employers.
1: Yeah, it's exciting. We uh, Last week, Guild Education noted uh, a $10 million round. This is a Colorado startup that sort of mixes and matches a rapid path to a degree, usually in a partnership with a company, you know, thinking of education as a benefit. Mm-hmm. So I like a lot about that. It's it's rapid, it's online, it's blended, it's um, employer paid, There's a every learner has a, an advocate. So that sort of a model feels uh, like a, an exciting development.
2: Yeah, those are the kind of things that get me excited too, especially... As I look to the work of people on our team who are researching higher ed, that really seems to be a trend in general. Is that um, a lot of companies and a lot of um, organizations are realizing um, there's there's needs in the workforce that aren't being met, yeah. and if we can align education with those needs and also align it with needs in the uh, um, needs of the actual the people going into the workforce, the the flexibility they need to quickly get education that brings them up to speed and gets them ready to. So go into those opportunities.
1: So I'm uh, I'm excited about programs pulling in more entrepreneurship into their into their curriculum, sort of recognizing that people are moving into a a project-based world and that they'll probably spend some time as a freelancer or a contractor or be making a decision about starting a business as a as opposed to just getting ready, people ready for jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something Christensen is excited about
2: yeah I'd say I'd say that seems to be a, uh, a really important trend you know it's a little bit anecdotal but when I look at some of the people in my neighborhood our next door neighbors and um, one of my friends from high school um, both come from recent immigrant families from uh, the Middle East and mm-hmm. you know they see clearly that for them the path to success for their families has been, entrepreneurship. It's right. been finding small businesses that they could start. And I think the more that we can help people see that as a really viable, attractive opportunity as well is a great benefit. To
1: this is happening really, really fast, right? Uh, when you survey millennials now, they're sort of 50-50 on college. And and many see um, entrepreneurship as, uh, as a much more viable, doable pathway to, uh, you know, a, a a family wage and I'm being a, a contributing citizen. So how to help people enter a, a work and learn ladder that might include uh, freelancing and, and entrepreneurship seems like a, a, a great fresh mm-hmm. adult ed conversation.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of the technologies that make blended learning possible are also the same technologies that are opening up entrepreneurship because now as an entrepreneur, from your home you can serve a global economy um right you're not just limited to entrepreneurship opportunities in the town you live in right
1: now that's exciting so let's end with um last topic ai behind everything (laughs) so you and i have both written pretty extensively about this what uh any thoughts on what that means for adult ed
2: well i think with adult ed um I mean, it's similar to what we see across the board is that on one hand, AI is just making it all the more imperative that we prepare people for the workforce of the future because a lot of the opportunities that have been there in the past aren't going to be there. But at the same time, AI just creates immense opportunity to give people better education because the more that we can move some instruction to smart AI, the more that the human interactions can focus on um, connecting people, um, mentoring them, giving them um, the social and emotional supports they need; those other things that um, are harder to get to in a traditional educational model.
1: Yeah, it's uh, AI. It's both the why and the how. Yep. It, uh, it's increasingly making platforms smarter, improving uh, our, our communication with each other, um, giving learners um, real-time feedback on on both what to learn and how they're learning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, I think that makes the, the next few years uh, a really interesting time to be in adult education.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. All right, Tom Arnett,
1: thanks for being on the podcast.
2: Yeah, thank you, Tom.
0: Thanks to Tom Arnett from the Christensen Institute for speaking with us. I appreciate that he noted how frequently adults are learning content, language, and technology simultaneously.
1: It's really exciting to see the new learning options that are being made available to adults, uh, especially the adults that need the access uh, most most desperately. And that's really why we and the Christensen uh, Institute focus on innovations in learning.
0: For more on innovations in learning and lifelong learning, check out gettingsmart.com. Rate and review this podcast so other lifelong learners can find us as well. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Jessica and Tom signing out.